and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Wednesday, January 25th, the day where we are all the same team. I know that there are those who are questioning this day, and to be honest, I will listen to those who question this day, but as someone who has spent way too much time around this world, I can tell you with all honesty, the conversation surrounding mental health challenges has changed over the last little while, and that's remarkably important. It's also really important that people know that there is help out there, and that there is absolutely no shame in seeking out that help. So even on Rogers today, Bell, let's talk. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, a cavalcade of sporting fare for your viewing pleasure on this day, including a pair of games on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey as the Leafs host the Rangers and the Islanders visit the Sens. That's not all, Jesse. Hockey mm. Central will immediately following up. Will immediately follow us. Hockey Central follow. is immediately following us oh, or you. will immediately follow us. I've got to figure that out before I say it. Will immediately follow us. Jackets and Nailed Oilers it. also on the network. Nailed it. Rick Tockett's second game also on the network. Crushed and the Raptors one. kick off a seven-game road trip, which is also on the network. There you go. A road trip that could end with a much different Raptors squad. Honestly, I got I got to be honest with you. I just put contacts in. You saw me like three minutes before the show. Are you still blanking and it there's out? Some weird stuff going on in my eyes. They go on left, right? Because yeah. you were supposed to do the dings, but we didn't talk about the dings before. Yeah. So then I leaned in for the dings I can't because see, I can yeah. see that you're a little bit rattled right now. No, it's not rattled. It's just like whoa, I haven't I haven't worn my contacts in a long time, and suddenly I'm just. So you see, and I, I sometimes wear contacts when I'm playing sports too. And the floaties sometimes. Yeah, the floaties. Yeah, I hate them. The, the worst is when it just goes in the wrong area, mm-hmm. and then you're just like, ah, mm-hmm. ah. But I know you wear your uh, your glasses almost all the time. A lot, yeah. Uh, it's contacts is a different world. Maybe you should try and go back. Like, there's the peripheral vision's different. It, it's it opens your eyes. That's all I'm gonna say. Maybe we should put your contacts back in for you. Uh, I had an aneurysm on my eye, so I got rid of the contacts. Yeah, I guess that, I mean, that makes sense. It's a reasonable, I mean, it's a reasonable I, I wore the contacts too, yeah, way too much. Yeah. Way too much. Yeah, so like, they're gone. Yeah, like 16 hours a day. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, you'd yeah. fall asleep with them on. Ridiculousness. Gotcha. Uh, listen, we've got a lot of stuff outside of Jesse's yeah, sorry, contacts sorry to, to talk about, including an update on Patrick Mahomes and Jesse's favorite thing on the planet Earth. Golf beef. We your, have got, your least favorite thing. We've got golf. <laughs> Literally, right. it's like, you, you want us to disagree? Just talk about golf beef. This isn't even a golf beef. We'll talk about it in first <laughs> things first. Either way, I hope we have a show worthy of your eyes and your ears, no matter how many floaties you've got, got going on. Uh, yeah, there's a few right uh, It's Tim and Friends, and it all starts with first things first. And Jesse Rubinoff, can you do this? Let's see if I can. Are you okay? See if I can read the prompter. Are the eyes there. okay? Yeah, I'm going to be okay. What prompter? So here it comes from the top of the domes, of course, Priest Holmes. Very good. All right. Reading the prompter. I'm not going to read the prompter. I could do it all just, uh, you know, looking at my computer screen if you want me to do that. Uh, The Rick Tockett era has officially begun in Vancouver. Tockett got a mixed reaction, to say the least, from the home crowd when he was introduced. But the play on the ice may have turned some frowns upside down as the Canucks beat Chicago 5-2 while scoring, well, 
for one night. For the players? Yeah. Fans? Yeah, maybe. I know you've got to read your prompter, but can we just have this conversation? Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, do you mean? think Vancouver Canuck fans are happy? Want, no, they don't want to win, but I think for one night. Frowns upside down, though. That's what you said. For one night, I think it's fine. You want to see the team maybe getting off on the right foot under a new boss. What do, you, what do you think the percentage is of Vancouver Canucks fans who, and listen, if you go to the game, you pay your money, mm -hmm. you probably want to see the team. Like, I, I'm, these are honest questions. No, I'm not no, trying yeah. to be facetious no, no, in any way. I'm not trying to hammer you home. But when you said turn frowns upside down, like, I don't know, I was on Twitter and a bunch of people were saying, let's not get this bump here. We can't beat this team last night because they're no good. Mm -hmm. There's the jersey on the ice. Yeah, That's that the pissed it. off fans. Like, I don't know if their frown was turned upside down because of a, uh, a win last night. It's just, it's really interesting to me, especially when Gary Bettman says what he said yesterday about tanking or kind of sort of said about tanking yesterday. Like, I just, I don't know what the answer is mm -hmm in Vancouver, mm -hmm. and I don't think they're going 32, 15, and 10. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't even think they can go 32, and 15, like, and 10. A bit of a reprieve, if you will. I guess that's the term I would use, because it's been so dark there for a, a long time now, and to have a new guy come in and say they got the, the doors blown off them again last night, like, it would, it just, it can't, how, how much worse can it get? You, you need sometimes to just take a breather, and I feel like last night, in Rick Tockett's first game, they were able to take a little bit of a breather and say, okay, you know, it's, it's one night, but okay. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I know there's a tank nation, and I know there's tank nations yeah. in a lot of different places for a lot of different teams and a lot of different leagues. And the NHL is a little bit different than every other league because if you finish dead last, you have a 25% chance at winning mm -hmm. the draft lottery. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if there are Canucks fans who just, I'd rather see them win. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd rather see... Andre Kuzmenko scored two goals, now 21 for the Canucks, and another one of those guys that if they decide to trade, they might get something for him, although he seems to have a little bit of magic right now, and maybe he's a guy that you want to keep around in the end. Yeah, uh, the shots on goal were 48 to 40. By the way, is it not sad, speaking of contracts and who you keep and who you let go, is it not sad to see Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves on a Blackhawks team that is run over by a bad Canucks team? I don't know if sad is the, the word that I'd use, just because we've seen them have so much success over the years that it's a tough league, and, and sometimes you're going to have to go through Did you watch this the game sort of last situation. Night? Yeah. 48 to 14, the shots on goal were. No, they're, they're horrendous. 48 to 14. They're a horrendous team. I completely understand that. But I don't think people are going to feel sorry for them when they've had as much success over the course of their career as they have had. You're not always going to win. You're not always going to be competitive. That is a cycle of being a professional sports team. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes The only reason why they're still there is their contracts. Mm -hmm. Would you like to see them get traded? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see two really good hockey players who could impact other teams other than one that's tanking. And the only reason that they can't is because of the salary cap mm -hmm. and the way the salaries are structured and because they made the money because they won. Like... It just it doesn't seem right to me, and I'm not saying that you need to feel sorry for Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane. I'm saying it's sad in hockey that two good players that could help two other teams won't because that's not the team's goals that they're playing on right now, mm -hmm. and they can't trade them because of their contracts. Hashtag Roberto Luongo. My contract sucks. This is, this is a good conversation because is there not a part of you that says uh, there's so many good players now that we see finishing their careers with a different team than the one that they started. 
Is there any part of you who reminisces about the time when stars That's would? Do you think it's done? It's over. Yeah, right. I, I, for me, it's over. I mean, if it was yeah, always over. clear that your team was, we're going to talk about what Gary Bettman said mm -hmm. a little later on in the show. Uh, Ken Reed's going to join us. Uh, Sam Cosentino is going to join us, and we'll break down exactly what Gary Bettman said and how we represented it on our digital accounts and yep. whether or not we misrepresented him saying nobody tanks or if he in fact said something a little bit different about tanking and who tanks and purposely left out ownership and GMs when talking <laughs> yeah. about tanking because it's obvious that teams tank mm -hmm. and as I'm watching that game last night I'm thinking the goals of the Chicago team are not the same as Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. No question about that. Absolutely no question. And there's still valuable players mm -hmm. to a bunch of teams out there, but it'll never happen. And to me, that's kind of sort of sad. Yeah. That's kind of sort of against what we cheer for in sports. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of a salary cap because the owners can't control themselves. Uh, before we move on from the Canucks, I know you brought up the, the jersey toss. Did you have an issue with it? I mean, it's not the first time it's happened with the Canadian team. It's not even the first time. I don't think it's happened with the Canucks this season. Uh, but this is perhaps the one time where there's maybe extenuating circumstances when you consider the situation with Boudreaux. Did you have an issue with a, a jersey being tossed on the ice last night? An issue? I, I don't. I, this is someone trying to say, you guys have pissed me off. Right. I have, I have no real problem with it. Is it played out? You, you can have that argument if you want on Twitter. I just, I know what it is. I know what it was. And how about being the guy on the bench that has to take the jersey from the official? Yeah. Which I get off the what do it's I brutal. want with this? Yeah, it's brutal. Don't give it to me. Yeah. I understand it. Uh, listen, elsewhere in the NHL last night, Chris Letang returned to action. we got to give a little tip of the top. Yes, this was do. unbelievable. A personal leave following the death of his father. He makes a huge impact. Four points, including your overtime winner. After the game, Letang shared an emotional moment with his teammates, although he was also wearing a hat that you're given for being the best player on your team. You can't bring your A game or your B game every time. Sometimes you gotta win with your C or D game, but this guy was awesome tonight. Whoa! He's definitely at an A game tonight. Uh, guys, I, I just want to say thank you for everything. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a tough month, and uh, you guys have been awesome. So thank you very much. Uh, that is the definition Woo. of a team getting emotional with a medieval times hat. <laughs> yeah, that's, a bit, that's <laughs> so, as close as you can come. Yeah, to getting that's, that's that the hat. and that's the real team yeah. dynamic that you share with your group of people all the time, where you could possibly get emotional with that hat on and just want to give the guy a hug. This dude's been through so much this year. Like, sec I mean, second stroke. Like, what are we talking about? And not just that, the other injuries that he's battled through, and then this. I mean, it's uh, a storybook last night to have him yeah, put up four points wonderful and, story. and score the OT winner. Okay, uh, lots of Canadian teams in action tonight. The Sens host the Islanders. The Leafs face the Rangers. The Oilers take on the Blue Jackets. And as we mentioned earlier, Vancouver faces Tim's favorite team, the Seattle Kraken. Tim, what are you watching for tonight? I think you're misrepresenting the Seattle Kraken, but I will uh, <laughs> skip that. The Oilers' schedule eases up that. here yeah. a little bit, and that had something to do with me asking you and I think Kipper was here the first day I said like we haven't seen Jack Campbell go on the run are we now in the midst of Jack Campbell going on that run mm -hmm. and that may be changing that team into a legitimate contender for the Pacific Division title yes 
No doubt. I think it makes them incredibly formidable because not only do you now have uh, Jack Campbell hot, you also have Stuart Skinner who's going to be an all-star this season. So when you have two goalies who are capable of going on runs, whether it's the same time or at different times, it just gives you a little bit more leverage to be able to pick up points. And they need it, frankly. They've been around the bubble uh, in the West the whole year. And mm-hmm. now they're really starting to cook a little bit, and I do think it's a it's a huge thing for them. Uh, Leafs and Oilers both in action tonight. You can see them both on the Sportsnet family of channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a uh, there's been rumors linking them to a certain Columbus Blue Jackets rear guard that feels like the Dalton Varsho of the National <laughs> Hockey League. Uh, underrated when you start scratching the surface, you realize that Gabrikov is pretty good or Gabrikov, depending yeah. on how you say it. Uh, it feels like those two teams are going to lead the way when it comes to the pursuit of this young man who yeah. plays on the Columbus Blue Jackets to not much fanfare, though pretty good. This one's so interesting for me because you look at the Leafs and the Oilers and, and you wonder who's going to be more willing to maybe even give a first-round pick for a guy who's essentially, you know, he's a top-four defenseman, but probably a second-pair guy, mm-hmm. does a lot of the little things, things that you would think are, are very beneficial for your team in the postseason, but who's more desperate to give up a first-round pick? Last time Kyle Dubas tried for a rental, it was Nick Felino, and that one didn't really pan out very well. So Because he just, got hurt. Because he got hurt. So I just wonder if which team is in, is in worse shape with their defensemen going into the postseason obviously yeah. you know it's a tough question but one feels of them like is probably going to make up. a move for him it feels like he's ending up in one of those two spots yeah i just wonder who is the more desperate team okay uh we still got conference championship football this weekend the chiefs held their first practice ahead of their date with the bengals in the afc championship game oh. and it's all eyes on that, I mean, it looks, looks pretty good. Yeah, no? it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look that bad. So the MRI confirmed a, a sprained ankle. Um, reportedly did everything at practice today, but how healthy will he be come game time? Like, can they win it all with Mahomes hobbling, even though he didn't look like he was hobbling that much there? If he's hobbled, Joe Burrow said this on Monday, mm-hmm. is the best quarterback in that game. If he's not hobbled, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in that game. Now, you obviously can win and or lose even with the best quarterback in the game. However, it's significant. And uh, Jesse, I saw ESPN do this, Mm -hmm. so let's do it right now. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look at Patrick Mahomes walking into the press conference and see if there is indeed any sort of limp from the high ankle sprain Jesse, did you see anything that would concern you in the limited amount of times that cameras are allowed in and the players know in practice that the cameras are allowed in and he does this stretching or when he walked into the news conference? Any hobble? Not really, and he looks significantly better than he did during the game. And this leads me to a wonderful topic, the fact that the Chiefs started out the week as favorites in this game and now having seen this, do you think this the Bengals are now favorites because of the injury, but having seen the video, do you think that changes things in Vegas? The, the Vegas thing is irrelevant. And I know that there are people who think it's relevant based on what we're seeing from Bet Rivers. All that means is that there is a bunch of people who bet on the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you think that's because they thought that Mahomes wouldn't be 100% or Probably. not, is, it's not the Sharps. 
It's not, I mean, some of it is sharp money. It's the public, yeah. It, 90%, I think, was on the Bengals. Early, first, and that's why the line moves. hours, yeah. It's got nothing to do with his health. No. They're trying to draw as much money on both sides. So they're trying to give you enough incentive to bet. And I figured that since Bet Rivers comes to us for these kind of things, I might as well let the public know why that line moves like that. Now, a bunch of people are going to bet on Patrick Mahomes now because mm-hmm. he looked pretty good in the video that we showed. That's what you thought too, right? But I, I'm not crazy. Like he didn't look like he was hobbling really at all. Yeah, but the, here's, limited video, of course. Here's, and I don't know if you read this off the prompter, but he was a full participant in practice today. Yeah. Did you did you mention that? I don't think so. I think full we, we participant got, in practice today. Yeah. That part to me is very significant moving forward, but we'll have to see. Obviously, he's not 100%. There's no way he's 100%. Mm-hmm. But 90% of Mahomes is better than a lot of quarterbacks in the National Football League. Joe Burrow is not one of them. He's got to be 95% to be better than Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, what you saw on the marquee to start the show. We have golf beef. On Tuesday, Rory McIlroy was on the driving range at the Dubai Desert Classic where he was approached by Patrick Reed who tossed a tee at McElroy. We'll get into that in a second. We got footage of the alleged toss. I don't know if toss is even the right word. McElroy shed some light on the incident this morning. I was done by my bag and um, he came up to me and I was busy working and sort of doing my practice and I didn't really feel like, I didn't feel the need to acknowledge him. So. Um, I didn't see a tee come in my direction at all, but uh, apparently that's what happened. Um, and if rules were reversed and I had to throw in that tee at him, I'd be expecting a lawsuit. So, <laughs> I mean, I got a subpoena on Christmas Eve. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I don't see your... Like, you can't pretend like nothing's happening, right? I think that's the thing. It's like, why... That's, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're living in reality here. He's not, so... You know, can you can you see yourself maybe one day mending those bridges with Patrick? Not not at the moment, though. But he, he said he was trying to make an effort. Okay, next question. Ian, behind. Sorry. Just Sorry. behind Bernie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care about this beef? That's going to be a meme, by the way. We know that. Rory's reaction there. Yeah, the complete and utter disbelief. Yeah. Like. Patrick care? Reed is a douchebag, right? Like, we all know this, the entire... It's unanimous, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think there is a person on Team Reed other than his family and apparently his wife. Like, mm-hmm. imagine... So, for those who don't know, Rory McIlroy was subpoenaed by Patrick Reed's team on Christmas Eve, and that's what he's referring... And then the next time you see the guy that you subpoenaed on Christmas Eve, you go over to shake his hand? Bleep you! <laughs> and all these people about Patrick Reed threw a tee at Rory McIlroy. Give, this is the golf beef of all golf. Say something, son! Square him up, son! Don't underhand a tee in his general direction and then act like something's going on. Patrick Reed, if you're going to be that guy, which you have been since college, Underhanding a tee in his general direction has to be the most golf beef of golf bees and is as soft as porridge. Sorry. Hold on a second. I just got to do something over here. We're in, we're in the middle of a show, Jesse. I know. I know, but... 
tea. You didn't get the joke, it was a tea. Well, I got the joke. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, figured it'd be funny. Do I look that. like Roy McIlroy? <laughs> yeah, you're not, your face is not gonna do make I, it onto a, do I look it's like not Roy gonna McElroy be a, Roy to you? It's not, no, it's not. I just, scre I just screamed at Patrick Reed, square him up, mm -hmm. don't throw a tea in his general direction. Yeah. Well, Reed said that if you act like a child, you're going to be treated like a child. That well, then, was his response. Then Patrick Reed should be treated like a child at every step of the way. Let's be honest here. Like, if he was kicked out of school and NCAA for cheating, cheating. and apparently stealing from his mm -hmm. teammates, like, this would be a guy in the past who would go around trying to rip people off at golf courses across the country yeah. and probably yeah. would have been killed for it or at least beaten up severely, and now he just plays golf for the Saudis. Let's move on. <laughs> Okay, Tim's unfiltered takes on golf beefs. <laughs> to basketball we go. The Raptors golf kick off a long seven-game road trip tonight. Golf Hopefully beef. we get some of that in the Netflix series, though, right? Comes out next month. Uh, Toronto will face some of the best in the West, including the Kings That's tonight and the Grizzlies. No, it's not. <laughs> what do you expect from this team uh, during this stretch? Change. Change? Change is going to come, Jesse. Wow. You don't believe it? No, I do. You I, know. Just, I just wonder when it, when, we know when it. it comes. Yeah. Everyone knows it. We'll talk to Rona, Ramona Shelburne about it in a flash. Like, mm -hmm. she's going to be joining us in her next segment. Like, I, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that Fred Van Vliet's going to go too. Mm -hmm. And I say too because I've been saying all along, it just makes financial sense for the Raptors to probably move on from Gary Trent right. Jr. if right. they're not going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I feel bad saying this about Fred Van Vliet because I, I honestly believe him to be um, one of the best professional athlete interviews and influences on his team. Yeah. So I think the culture of the Raptors will take a hit if they end up trading him, but it seems like there's a lot of interest, whether it's Los Angeles. Uh, it seems like Bill Simmons was suggesting that the Lakers go out and get him. The Clippers have been linked to him. The Phoenix Suns. Like all the really good teams know that he has championship pedigree. And mm. it might be tough money-wise to move him, but mm. there are a lot of teams that seem to have interest in Freddie Van Vliet. And for a reason. Yeah, you brought up the culture thing a couple times. Uh, do you not think we're at a point now where the Raptors' culture is already hampered to the point where if you have to trade Fred I think Van Vliet? It's an, I think it's an ongoing 24-7, yeah. 365-day-a-week thing. Mm. And I think that in the NBA, in the NHL, in all professional sports, when your best players are your hardest workers – you're in a way better position than any other franchise mm -hmm. in your league. Yeah. Uh, you know who's not in a great position? That would be the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron's playing really well. Dropped yeah. 46 in a Speaking loss. Speaking of, hard worker, uh, right? How do you think this season's going over for LeBron? Because based on some of the footage from last night's game, it doesn't look like he's having a good time. Well, that's a great question. So I hope uh, the footage that you mentioned is a great answer to that great question. <laughs> uh, because that was unbelievable. It's just, it's just, I never thought that we'd see LeBron at this point of his career. Like, he's carrying the Lakers, and, and look at him here. Like, it's just sad. Speaking of, like, you were talking, we were talking about Taves and Kane on a struggling team. This is a whole nother level. Because he's, he's still at, not the peak, but he's putting up 30-plus put, every night. Put up 46 yeah. last night. Every night, and he just—they just can't get it done because they're not deep enough. How, is he, he's to blame for some of this, though, right? Like he's 
Yeah, GM LeBron sucks. Le GM. Um, but we'll ask uh, Rabona Shelburne about that. And we also got a match game going mm -hmm. across the country right now on Twitter. We'll get to a bunch of that stuff a little bit later on in the show. But we've got Ramona Shelburne lined up. Uh, we've also got a great story in Tyler McGregor. Mm -hmm. Sam Cosentino and Kenny Reed will join me as we get you set for the Leafs, Sens, Oilers, and Canucks all on the network. It is Tim and Friends on a Wednesday. Patazo grande por el centerfield, allá la bola se va, se va, se va, se va. Boom. A new era of Canucks hockey begins this evening. There's just a jersey thrown on the ice. Fan comes down, launches a jersey onto the ice. Was that a protest? Not happy with the coaching change? big story in golf was a tee peg that was thrown your direction ahead from Patrick Reed. Patrick reached out to you, put his hand out to wish you Happy New Year. I'm going to shake your hand. I want to shake his hand. If I were in his shoes, I wouldn't expect a hello or a hunchy. I want to shake his hand. I'm living in reality. I don't know where he's living. Ora Candela, señores, Ronald Acuña. He's still there. Is it? Yeah. Still there. I should have picked it up during the break. That's on me. <laughs> no, leave it, leave it there. Underhand bad. tossing yeah. tees. Or, you should have just chucked it. Like leaned I in. I know. I should have really leaned into it. But I was trying to like replicate. I got glasses I was on. Trying to <laughs> I was trying to replicate Reed and, you know, yeah, it was a gentle toss. It was a gentle toss. Yeah. In the general vicinity. Didn't want to be so disrespectful. There it is right there. What do they call it? A tea peg in Europe. Anyways. They do? Yeah. I don't even know says. that. Do a T-peg. Uh, still to come, Leafs, Islanders, yeah. Scotiabank, Wednesday night hockey. Sens also in action. Scotiabank, Wednesday night hockey. There are four games in the Sportsnet family of channels tonight. As are the Toronto Raptors, as they visit the best team in California, the Sacramento Kings. Like That's right. Like the beam. One of ten in the NBA tonight. Maybe where I start with my next guest, ESPN senior writer. If you watch ball, you know Ramona Shelburne, who joins me now. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, Ramona. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hello. Uh, you're going. You're in on the Kings, huh? <laughs> I don't. I. I. As I said it, I wondered, like, are they the best team in California, Ramona Shelburne? Uh, I want to go with you on that, but I cannot. I'm sorry. I still. I, I give me the Warriors. I. I know their record doesn't say so, but they'll be there when it matters. And 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 uh. Like, yeah, I know. Play in tournament <laughs> under 500. I know. I didn't I know, put up the standings, Ramona. No, I was I'm just happy a... <laughs> for Mike Brown and the Kings. That's really good for them. That's really good for the city. But I just, I, I, you know, I still go Warriors, Clippers, then Kings, then Lakers of the four teams out here. Wow. I like yeah. it. So a lot of those teams. Uh, have been rumored in a lot of the deals that sure. maybe tie back to the Raptors. I'll, I'll get into that in a sec, but we're showing the Lakers right now. I just showed yeah. LeBron sitting on the bench, kind of sort of staring off into no <laughs> man's land and wondering <laughs> yeah. what the hell that was about. Like, where do the Lakers go from here? And, like, are we talking about them trying to make huge changes? Because, I mean, you just said it, they're not good enough right now. Yeah, you know, they're getting Anthony Davis back tonight. Yeah. He's going to play 20, 25 minutes in this game. And, you know, getting Anthony Davis back is a start. 
but also how long is he back? How does that foot hold up over time? That's always a question. They lost to the Clippers for the 10th time in a row last night. They just have their number, okay? The Clippers have their number. Um, In the regular season, I should point out, not not in terms of since that Kawhi Kawhi Leonard, Paul George summer, Lakers have a championship and the Clippers don't, okay? But Anthony, they they actually did really well without Anthony Davis considering. Um, Thomas Bryant is a guy that they plucked from obscurity when he was originally with the Lakers. They they actually had to trade him to to make room for Anthony Davis in that trade. He's been great. And when Anthony Davis comes back, I think he gives the Lakers an option where you can play Thomas Bryant and Anthony Davis together. And Anthony Davis doesn't have to go play against centers, even though he's historically good as a center. It's it's nice to have options finally in the front court. Plus, I like the trade they just did for Rui Hachimura. He's a a 6'8 guy, former lottery pick. Kind of a, a rough year there where he had some mental health issues. But he's got a lot of talent. And that's exactly the kind of trade that the Lakers need to make is high upside guy doesn't cost you a lot to take a look at him for the rest of the year and decide if you want to bring him back next summer okay so i know there's a lot of like throwing darts at a board at this time in the nba and the nhl for that matter uh but i heard bill simmons saying westbrook to the raptors for freddie van vliet and some picks and i was like i guess the expiring deal could give the raptors though they haven't been able to have much success in free agency an expiring contract blah 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 are the lakers one of those teams that you think would be interested in the services of a guy like freddie van vliet and do they have anything besides westbrook's expiring contract to offer my sense is Westbrook finishes the season with the Lakers, yeah. and I wouldn't even be shocked if he signs another deal with the Lakers, considering how he's adapted to the really? six-man role. He's He's been pretty good in the yeah. new role that he's in. Just a question of how much he wants to make. Um, I don't know that he's he's going to find a, a large market for his services elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, but he's done he's done well in the six-man role. He's, he's done what they were hoping he would do the whole time, which is when LeBron and or Anthony Davis misses time with injury, he can give them 20, 25 points a game. He's actually done that lately. Um, Fred Van Vliet's a guy that I think free agent-wise is going to be really interesting because there's going to be some interest in him all around the league. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams that could use a, a point guard like him, especially the Lakers have, have needed another ball handler and a guy who can create offense basically the entire time LeBron James has been here, and they've never really found him. Um, the question is, do they prefer him over a Kyrie Irving or a James Harden or some of the other guards that will be on the free agent market or could potentially be on the free agent market, depending on what Harden does with his player option? And Van Vliet, of those three, I actually think is the most expensive. Hmm. Um, so you know, they've, they've preserved $35 million a year in cap space. Do they want to just lock all that up in free agency right away? Uh, the, the Hachimura trade gave you a little indication that they are willing to cut into some of that cap space in the summer before this they've they've really been protective of that cap space because clearly they were looking at this free agent class and wanting to preserve flexibility the more i hear uh insiders like yourself talking about fred van vliet the more i think this is a a free agency deal and not a deadline deal is that what you're getting the the feeling on? Yeah. yeah. I, I sense that. I mean, look, the East is a, is a really good conference right now. It's better than the West in terms of the, the number of elite teams. The West is so tightly bunched, and it's hard to separate the really good teams from, you know, even if you go with the top four, okay, right now, that's, look how, look at these top four teams in the East here. And I'd even go all the way down to the Cavs there. 
um, as at five as teams that legitimately could win a title. And the Heat, they were the number one seed last year. Right. So you can't get that one either. The, the Raptors, though, being down there at 12, can we can we say that this is a disappointment already? Yes. Yeah. But I know Nick Nurse and the players they have on that team, and and I, I would never count them out. Like they're, the, the Heat and the Raptors, to me, are the two teams that no matter what they do halfway through the year, I, I always think with Spo as a coach, with Nick Nurse as a coach, they always have a chance to make a run, and you don't want to see them in the playoffs. So are they going to be buyers or sellers? Around the league, it is, it's an interesting question because they're one of those teams like – are they bad because they don't have enough talent or are they bad because Scotty Barnes is having a second year regression or because of injuries? They have to answer that question internally. And some of that, frankly, is predicated on how how eager Masai Ujiri is to turn over this roster and start anew. Right. I, I don't get that sense that he even has the answer to that yet. It, it, this one's a really interesting one because at the start yeah. of the year when I interviewed Nick Nurse and Bobby Webster, and looked at the contracts, you kind of sort of knew that they were going to have to make some real tough decisions yeah. around Fred Van Vliet. It feels like Gary Trent Jr. Uh, is yeah. the most available of the group, but we've also heard OG Ananobi's name out there. We've also heard Pascal Siakam's name out there. Like, I don't know if they're just examining everything, but it feels to me like if the Raptors decide this before February 9th, Ramona, they could be the kingmakers. They could be the ones yeah. who make a difference for another team. Do you get that same feeling? I do. And yet, if you look at Masai's recent history, he he tends to make the biggest moves offseason-wise, right? I mean, look, just look at the Kyle Lowry trade from a couple of years ago. Uh, when he doesn't get exactly what he wants, he stands pat and he says, we'll do it later. And he ended up getting Precious Achua out of that deal when he really didn't have to. I think Precious is probably a better return that he would have got for the Lakers who were unwilling at that point to put Taylor Horton Tucker in. And even um, I, I still think Precious is better than Taylor. So Masai has shown this ability to be patient, to get exactly what he wants. And, you know, I, I, I don't follow Scotty's day to day as closely as he and Nick nurse do. Like right. they have their own evaluation of, of why he's, not had the second year jump that you would hope for a rookie of the year, right? Right. Um, it's up to, if they think he really is just going to work through it and be great next year, then I think you can continue to build. But if if they've seen something troubling and they go, maybe this isn't the guy we build around, all things are on the table. Uh, this is interesting. The Raptors are on a seven-game road trip. Uh, when they come back, we'll see how much different they look. Uh, out of those teams that you mentioned, though, and I'll throw Phoenix yeah. into the mix because I think Golden State's also in a spot where I yeah. keep waiting for them to turn it on, and yet, and I, I'm with you. Like I trust in the talent that's there, yeah. but I wonder if there's some tweaks to be made. The, the NBA deadline is kind of sort of different, where there's not a lot of huge pieces that oftentimes move. But it feels like there's a lot of teams, especially in the West and in your area, yeah. that could do a little tweaking. Who do you think leads that list? Well, a really important story came out today from my colleague uh, Baxter Holmes and Adrian Wojnarowski is that the, the sale of the Phoenix Suns, which has really been hanging over the league for the entire season, yeah. is expected to go through before the trade deadline. Now, Phoenix mm. is a team that has kind of been in limbo. You have Robert Sarver still technically owns the team. Does will he he still gets to approve of any trade or any transaction that's over a certain dollar amount? But if the new owner's in there by that time, he can approve of any trades. And so that makes Phoenix a lot more interesting as we approach the trade deadline. You see the Jazz, 
they gave their their veterans a chance to compete. They're still seventh. And I, you know, they don't have to be in a hurry to trade all their veterans. I know there's a lot of interest in guys like yeah. Mike Conley and I think Laurie Market is probably the only guy you would say they're not gonna they're not gonna even look at or Walker Kessler maybe. But there are some teams there that you you weren't sure what they were gonna do that now I think we have a little more clarity on. Uh, I enjoy talking basketball with you, Ramona. Always. Uh, Me too. Th yeah, thank, thanks for dropping by, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yep, sounds good. Uh, senior writer, as plugged in as there is in that area, Ramona mm -hmm. Shelburne, joining mm -hmm. us from the Los Angeles area. Uh, time for a break after said commercial break. I'll be joined by Tyler McGregor. Now, he's the captain of Canada's national para-ice hockey team, and we'll tell you how he's carrying on the legacy of the great Terry Fox, and we'll do that next right here on Twitter Fans. An inspirational story. Can't wait. Hey. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Every once in a while, you know, we start talking about the greatest Canadian athletes of all time, and the name Terry Fox comes up. And there is no denying his place ever among the greatest athletes, or Canadians for that matter. But every time I hear his name, I think of his bravery and his words. It's gotta keep going without me. Our next guest is doing exactly that. You know, every once in a while we come across a story that uh, screams to be told. Tyler McGregor's story is one of those. He's in the midst of his sledge skate marathon of hope and he joins me live. Tyler, thanks for coming in and talking with us. Really appreciate you doing this. My pleasure, Tim. I appreciate you having me. Uh, anytime. And for those who don't know the name, Tyler is the captain of the Canadian Paralympic sledge hockey team who just decided that he would add activist, humanitarian, philanthropist, whatever you want to call it to the list by continuing the legacy that Terry Fox left us. Left us. And in 2021 started a sledge skate of hope. It started with the goal of 25 kilometers, 25K in fundraising. But man, has this bad boy grown. What, what made you feel like this was something that you wanted to tackle? Well, first it started with just aligning two of my passions. I'm a cancer survivor myself. I lost my leg to cancer in, uh, in 2010. And Terry Fox became, you know, he already was, but he became even more so of a meaningful figure in my life. Right. And so I, I decided to align two of my passions, that being hockey, uh, where I fell in love with the game outdoors and, and uh, honoring Terry's legacy. And so uh, by aligning those two things, that's where the Sludge Gate of Hope was kind of born. I had tremendous help uh, from my agent, Brandon, and putting this together. In 2021, we launched kind of mid-pandemic mid uh, with the goal of 25K. Uh, I'd never really skated a long distance, complete opposite of, of what you're used to in hockey with, with short shifts. And, you know, it was such a massive success. We knew we wanted to, to make it bigger, make it better, to continue to honor Terry's legacy. And um, you know, he set out to run across Canada, and so um, that's where that idea came. And he ran a marathon every single day, 42 kilometers. And so I uh, wanted to match that as well in, in my own way. And it, it's been a, a massive undertaking, but um, you know, the power of of Terry Fox is is alive and well. And uh, I've been able to feel that having the opportunity to to go to three three provinces already. 
That's awesome. Well, I want to get to the, the skate and, and where you're going next. And I know things have kind of been uprooted a little bit because of Ottawa. But your story, similar to Terry's, in that you were an athlete uh, at 15 playing AAA hockey in Forest, I guess Lambton, in the Sarnia area. Um, you discover cancer. Now, I realized when I wasn't a good enough athlete, probably around grade nine, that I wanted to stay close to sports. And so here I am, but I'm guessing that's nowhere near the journey that you went through. Like, how at 15, 16 years old did you deal with this and find sledge and find sledge hockey and, and find another passion like you did? I mean, credit to the people around me. Honestly, like my family, my friends, my hometown of Forest, the hockey community. Um, I, I was fortunate in the sense that I was young enough to to be a little naive, to be a little immature, and and just kind of roll with things. Right. Um, it was it was scary, it was terrifying, and it, it was heartbreaking. But I was lucky to be surrounded by incredible people. And um, you know, when I began the path to recovery, um, that support just continued and. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay involved in the game. You know, as soon as I lost my leg, I was, you know, thinking about ways to, to maybe coach or manage or, or, or stay involved. Uh, for a short time, I thought I was going to be the first above the amputee to play in the NHL. Uh, that's honestly what the belief, I guess, that I had in myself. And, you know, fortunately, I found sledge hockey um, thanks to a former coach. And um, it was a new opportunity, a new challenge. Um, a new path forward for myself to kind of regain my sense of of direction and and kind of regain my identity and um you know i've been fortunate now to play on the national team for for 10 years and it's been the most incredible 10 years of my life and despite the challenging circumstances i wouldn't change a thing you know it's funny when, when i hear hope in your voice and all i can think of as i look down at my notes is is marathon of hope right and i i hear you finding your hope and i know that the numbers this year on this uh on this sledge skate of hope are significant we've got 420 total clicks as you go uh 42 kilometers a day 10 stops 10 provinces with the goal of raising a hundred thousand dollars uh how are you feeling like <laughs> Shoulders, biceps, triceps, like that. I, I would, I mean, there's got to be significant burn right now. There is. I, <laughs> and I just did back to back on the weekend. Um, my shoulders are, are sore. Uh, my hands from gripping my sticks for, you know, about three hours at a time, give or take. Uh, it's a different type of exhaustion than I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, just skating long distances, maybe not as, you know, I, at high of a pace as I'm used to, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sore. And, and you know, in addition to that, I just have so much respect for what Terry was able to do um, day after day. And as the Marathon of Hope grew, you know, all the community events, all the media, all, all the people that he interacted with, in addition to, to running a marathon on a prosthetic leg, um, that's one of the things I've felt is just, you know, kind of the, the social and emotional exhaustion as well. And he was able to do it with a smile on his face and inspire millions and millions of people. And I think, you know, when I go to bed at night, I can reflect on that and um, get my own sense of, of hope and, um, and of energy from, from what he was able to do. That's awesome. Uh, SledgeStateOfHope.com. Again, SledgeState, 
skateofhope.com. And this stuff works. Like the money raised through the Terry Fox Foundation and beyond, like this stuff works. The science, the research, the money works. And, and you've kind of seen that firsthand, haven't you? I have. When I was, when I was diagnosed in 2010, um, they gave me essentially an 80% chance of survival and compared it to before 1980 when Terry Fox was diagnosed with a very similar cancer, a cancer that's treated the exact same way, he was given about a 20% chance. Crazy. And so right there alone, the statistics show that the research that's been done over the past 43 years as a result of the Marathon of Hope, as a result of the Terry Fox Foundation and many others, um, the research works. And, you know, it's about developing the, the care and the treatment available to to cancer patients and and their families as well right and that's something that i can relate to um you know it wasn't just me it was it was my parents it was my sister my extended family the entire community and there's so many different people involved in that journey and the the research that's being done to to both prevent and to treat and care for people dealing with cancer it, it works and you know, hopefully in the past 13 years since I was in the hospital, that's just gotten better. And, you know, my goal and um, my dream is to, to continue to, to move the needle on that. Yeah, this will help. Sledgeskateofhope.com if you want to get involved. Uh, we've run out of time, but i got to ask you one more question because I think it's really important. Obviously, Terry Fox and his story have inspired you. Have you ever thought about what you're doing and how you're inspiring the next generation or the kids or the parents or the people watching you right now? It, it is something that I've been reflecting on since I've started. And, and honestly, like it, it goes for, for anyone of, of any age, gender, race, whatever it may be. But, you know, specific to myself, I think about the young boy or girl who may be missing a leg and, or, or missing a limb and, you know, is questioning what their life or what their future looks like. And, maybe has this seed of doubt and you know hopefully I can inspire in them that they can do whatever they want to do if they want to play sports if they want to um, be an academic if they want to yeah. do whatever they want to do it's a hundred percent possible you have to be adaptable you have to be open-minded you have to have the discipline and the dedication to do it but it's possible and um, that's what people like Terry Fox has inspired in me as you said and uh, as I do reflect on, on this journey, that's kind of what I hope to, to share and inspire in others. That's awesome. Uh, sledgeskateofhope.com. If I haven't said it, I'll say it again. Sledgeskateofhope.com. Uh, listen, this is a great story, an inspirational story for me sitting here, a motivational one. Really appreciate you jumping on. And, and I know the schedule's changed a little bit. I was just in Ottawa. They got to freeze that damn canal, get you out there. Uh, so check out his website and you can see where he's going in the next little while. Tyler, I appreciate you doing this, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tim. Anytime. Anytime. There is Tyler McGregor. Also, just so happens to be captain of our slide back. That was incredible and incredibly inspiring. Yeah. And it's I'd awesome. love to see the triceps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, we'll turn our attention to the night in the Shoulders. NHL. Coming out, Leafs, Sens, Oilers, Canucks, all in action. And did Gary Bettman really say NHL teams don't tank? Ken Reed, Sam Cosentino next. We'll discuss traps too. Big traps. Oh, traps, yeah. yeah. yeah.
Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Welcome back, Tim and friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, Ken Reed in studio with you for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Can you stick around for the entire 30 minutes? All 30 contractually obligated. Wow, only 30 minutes tonight, eh? Yeah, only 30 minutes. Uh, we'll get you to all these games. Leafs, Senators coming up on the network, Scotiabank, Wednesday night hockey, Oilers and Canucks a little later on, which means uh, contractually obligated Wednesdays with Kenny Reed will we be are. full, chock full of hockey. By the way, how, how is Hockey Day in Canada? Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, fantastic. We missed you up on Owen Sound, but yeah. good news, we did do a video tribute for you since you weren't there. You did? Video yeah, there's tri- a video tribute. Got it. In Owen Sound. Got the joke. At the Bay Shore. Got Big video tribute for Video you. tributes. Wish you were here. Oh, God. Wish you were here. Yeah. The participation trophy of life. The video tribute. <laughs> <laughs> Leafs host the Rangers and Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey tonight. I'm not sure if there's any video tributes tonight, but Charles will be. five straight at home. <laughs> Ilya Samsonov expected to make his fourth straight start, yet to lose a game in regulation at home this season. For more on tonight's game, let's check in with Sean McKenzie, who's standing by live. Sean? Tim, I got to say that 30 minutes of Ken Reed is 29 minutes too much (laughs) by my standards. (laughs) I got nothing. That was excellent. (laughs) I thought I had. I love you, Tim. Love you too, Ken, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like. like it was only a matter of time before one of these Maple Leafs goaltenders separated themselves from the other. And it appears that has happened, at least for now. Ilya Samsonov, as you mentioned, gets another start. He was sensational against the New York Islanders, and he really helped keep the team in it for the first period. He wasn't the only one that was great against the Islanders, though. In fact, all of the Maple Leafs' big four were very good in that game. So it doesn't come as much of a surprise that Sheldon Keefe will stick with the lines the way that game finished. So what's old is new again. That means Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are back together, and William Nylander is with John Tavares. Nylander was a star in that game. He's not an all-star, but he's really becoming a superstar for the Maple Leafs. Sheldon Keefe saying that it just felt like it was time to go back to the lines that we saw in years past. In fact, having Marner and Matthew split up for the last few months. Keith said went on a lot longer than he expected, but everyone was performing, so why not? But when he put them back together against Boston, against Florida, and a few different games against the Islanders, he saw that spark he liked. So we're going to see them start the game here. Sheldon Keith with the blender out once again, guys. Uh, love it and love you, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Mac. Okay, Sens, they host... The New York Islanders tonight, you can see it's 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. Sends 20, 21st rounder Ridley Gregg is going to make his NHL debut. Called up from Belleville. My nice. buddy Dave lives in Belleville. Oh, yeah? Your buddy Dave? Yep. Gregg's father, Mark, played nine seasons in the NHL. He'll be in the building for the game tonight. Pretty town. Yes. Well, pretty much my whole life. Uh, it's obviously a dream come true, so I'm pretty excited. Did you have a hard time sleeping last night? Like, what was going through your mind? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, maybe a little, little bit nervous or, or what, just thinking maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I just had a good rest, so uh, I'm ready to go. There's been some pretty good debuts over the last little while. We'll see if we get another one. Red Hot Oilers will look to keep things going tonight as they host Johnny Gaudreau and the Blue Jackets. You can see it in Sportsnet West, Sportsnet 360, 730 local, 930 Eastern. For more, let's send it to our friend Gene Principe in Edmonton. Gino! Hey, Tim, how are you? I hope you're doing great. If you ask that question of the Edmonton Oilers, which I'm sure you would, they'd say, fantastic, wonderful. 
best we've been all season long. That's because the team has put together a six-game winning streak, their longest not only of this season but of the past, well, two decades. It started when they were on the road and defeated Anaheim. They followed that up with victories against San Jose, Vegas, Seattle and Tampa at home, and then a road win most recently against the Vancouver Canucks. And as they get set tonight to host the Columbus Blue Jackets, they are hoping they can make it seven straight wins. We've uh, been finding our identity, putting it on the ice every night, um, getting contributions from up and down the lineup, having good starts. Uh, getting a timely first goal is always uh, beneficial for us. Uh, especially teams have been good. Goaltending's been good. Obviously, you have awareness of, of your game and the and the way it's gone over the last little stretch. But uh, it's been pretty, you know, a pretty good focus of ours just to, to take it one day at a time. And then you can look in the in the past. But uh, with that said, you don't want to have any complacency uh, within the group. Uh, you want to make sure there's still that hunger because there's so much hockey left and uh, you know we look at our spot in the standings I don't think we're we're happy exactly where we are you know there's still a lot more to to want. The Oilers tonight at home will be without Evander Kane. Jay Woodcroft saying that he is not available for personal reasons. Not a surprise to the team because he has missed the last couple of practices. Now when you look at the two teams on the ice at Rogers Place this evening, one is hot, one is not. The Blue Jackets currently last overall in the NHL, but Tim, the Oilers head coach has said he's watched a lot of Columbus's games. They have some talent on that team, and if you're not careful, they can make you pay. The Oilers hope that's not the case tonight. Thank you, Juno. Hey, the Canucks could do the Oilers a solid tonight with a win over the Kraken. They got a win in Rick Tuckett's debut last night against Chicago. I think shots on goal at one point were about 25-5. It was nuts for the Canucks. 48-14 is what it finished. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Okay, we've got the game for you in the Vancouver region, 7 Pacific time on Sportsnet Pacific. All right, uh, speaking of Vancouver, now I don't know if you've drawn some lines of delineation here about where they're going, where they want to go, and what's going on in Langley, which isn't far away from Vancouver, but there's a top prospects game going going on there. And there are a few GMs in town in Langley to see Connor Bedard and company go at it. Sam Cosentino is covering it for sports. And he joins us now. What's on? What's going on, Sammy? How are you, bud? I'm doing great. Everything's well, and the GMs can make a pit stop like they maybe did last night in Vancouver to see what they're going to pick off for the Canucks <laughs> roster, too. So it's a good dual trip for everybody. Oh, without, that's all I could think of was, like, these GMs got, like, they're they're killing two birds with, with one stone here going to Vancouver, not a Langley. Um, what's the latest that you're hearing on those GMs in that spot and where Vancouver is going? Yeah, fascinating stuff. So, I mean, you know, the Bo Horvat thing is it's imminent. It's just a matter of time. Uh, I think, you know, there is a possibility that Vancouver makes one last ditch effort. I just don't think it's going to be enough to happen. You know, the Kuzmenko thing, that's also hanging in the air. Are you better to sign this guy knowing what you have from year one from him? Or are you better to maybe trade him and get some pieces back knowing that he's only had one year and maybe he, you know, his ability to repeat that sort of thing. So, when I look at the situation, uh, obviously mixed reviews coming for from Rick Tockett based on what happened, but I don't think anyone realizes just how much the Bruce Boudreaux thing is going to have a lasting impact here. And yeah, you can say it would live for the moment and that's it, but 
you know, you're free agents and you're sitting there, okay, am I going to waive my no move to, to go there in a trade? Uh, am I going to be a player like Pedersen who's there, who's going to stay long-term and try and see this thing through? A lot of questions still to be answered here, but, you know, the first of those questions definitely is going to happen as we move towards the trade deadline. This is a lot, going to be a long process. Hey, Sammy, I mean, you, you just oh, yeah. hit on it. This Rick talk is not going to change this overnight. Uh, Rutherford's not going to – if you're a player, I'm looking all the way up at the top. I'm looking at ownership going, I, I don't know if I want to play there. Yeah, that, that's part of it. But, you know, here's the other thing, too. So you hire Rick Talk, and I would expect that there's going to be a bump in, in the Vancouver Canucks play. I mean, you saw it last year when Boudreaux came in, and I expect this similar sort of thing to happen here as well. But what does that do for the Vancouver Canucks? It puts you in no man's land. So when you get to, let's mm-hmm. say, they, you know, they improve by 10 games, they move up in the standings a little bit, now you're picking, what, 20th or 15th as opposed to maybe picking inside the top 10? That's a that's a big difference. And so, um, you know, pretty fascinating stuff here. Maybe you get lucky with the lottery. Maybe the bump pulls them out of that, you know, one to 11 spot where you're no longer eligible to get the first overall pick. I mean, I'd love to see Connor Bedard end up in this market. It would change things for the Vancouver Canucks in a hurry. But I just don't know if it's going to happen because I think you're going to see an uptick in what the Canucks do here uh, moving forward. The, the interesting one for me is I saw some folks in Vancouver suggesting, okay, if Bo Horvat's going to go and feel like it's it's inevitable, like you just said, then keep Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko, use the money for him. He's got 21 goals in his rookie year, but there's some mitigating circumstances there too. Like he'll be 27. I know he's a rookie, but he'll be 27 by the time the deadline rolls around, Sammy. Like it, it's not cut and dry on any of this not not at all not at all and the other part of that equation is what are you going to get back for Horvat? are you going to get pieces that are actually going to help you in the here and now um and if you're Bo Horvat, i mean you you pretty much control your own destiny here moving forward and i don't think you'd be too happy uh, if you're Bo Horvat based on what's happened there i mean you're the captain your heart and soul guy i know Bo from back in his london days there's probably not a guy you'd want to have on your team more than more than Bo Horvat for what not only he brings on the ice but off ice character leadership all of those things are important intangibles that he brings to the table so this is a this is a big miss if you know if he ends up moving on here Sammy let's talk about the top prospects game question I always have is who is it for is it for the kids or is it for managers <laughs> it's for me I love it we yeah it's for you yeah kids and and interview them like we did yesterday. Some unbelievable stories that hopefully we're going to be able to unearth here with our producer, Adrian Chetty. But uh, awesome stuff. And, yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's a time for teams to get together. A lot of the meetings happen around this time. So it's also a time where a ton of people from each staff come in. And that way it gives them an idea to say, all right, I'm based in Quebec. Let me see what some of the Ontario and Western Hockey League guys look like. It's also a best on best. It's also only one game. So you, you wait it but you don't weight it too heavily. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, someone who stands out in this game, someone who plays the game here like they do in the regular season. So if you're a bumper, go bump. If you're a goal scorer, go score goals. If you're a playmaker, do that. If you're a defensive defenseman, play that role. And if you can maintain the role that you play with your regular season team into this game, I think it speaks a lot about what happens to you moving forward with the draft. Okay, obviously, Connor Bedard is, is hotter than a firecracker right now. Connor Bedard content, is everyone is scooping up. Um, but who is the guy in this game that might make, like, listen, he can't jump from one to one. Like, who is the guy that you could see jumping here if they put on a good show? Because a lot of people are already starting to kind of think maybe this guy's got a shot to move up big time. 
there's a couple of guys. I'll start with some defensemen first. So Bo Aiki plays with the Barry Colts. He says that Brant Clark has come back to the Colts. He's starting to really take some of his tricks of the trade and, and learning how to run a power play. He's amongst the top five leading scorers in, in Ontario Hockey League defensemen. Another guy that I really had a lot of time for yesterday was Etienne Moran, who uh, left his home at basically 13 years old to go play you know, uh, academy hockey in Ontario, then got drafted first pick in the second round to Quebec and went to Moncton. So he's been away to try and improve his game, learn the English language. He's a defenseman. He'll wear number five tonight, but he's a guy that I'm looking at. And then some other guys that I think are, are in a pretty interesting spot. Riley Height of the Prince George Cougars seemingly has slipped down some draft list. I think this is a big proving ground for him. Braden Yager, who plays with the Moose Jaw Warriors, he's a guy that I'll be watching closely. He's somewhere in that top seven or eight picks. And Zach Benson of the Winnipeg guys. Gotta love this young guy. He's got the mullet going. He's having an unbelievable year. Um, with a really good Winnipeg team. So he will play on a wing with Bedard. Those two grew up playing together, so I would expect big things from, from Zach Benson as well. It's funny when you're in this little Toronto bubble that we live in. Yeah. Um, I, I find myself losing touch with major junior hockey sometimes, but I spend some time in Owen Sound, and they just can't get enough of Colby Barlow. I know back yeah. home there's a lot of people talking about Tyler Paddle. Uh, with Barlow, Sammy, I know you had him, I think, 10 on your list. Nine. In December, uh, he's, he's the kid's 17. He's a captain. I don't care about his stats. He has a full beard. I, I, met, I met him last week. I said, you look like one of the Doobie brothers. Like, this is a man. It's impressive. Yeah, he, he's an unbelievable young man. We got a chance to sit him down yesterday. And, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit about uh, Hockey Day. He said it was such an unbelievable experience. But here's a guy, too, who's, who's from Aurelia, Ontario. He moved uh, about an hour south to Vaughan, Ontario, lived with the Perducci family. Tristan, um, his good buddy, is playing with Flint just so he could improve his standing to get to the GTHL. And it's really worked wonders. I mean, you know, I talked to Greg Walters, uh, unbelievable guy, the head coach in Owen Sound. They can't say enough good things about this guy. And when I go back to the start of the year playing at the Helenka Gretzky, he started to kill penalties and do some different things that maybe we didn't expect from a 16-year-old 30-goal scorer, and now he's blossomed, blossomed into a top-10 pick. Talked to some scouts today, and they have him even higher than I did. So really impressive stuff from uh, from Colby Barlow. And had a chance to spend some time with Brad Peddle this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, hadn't seen him in a long time, the head coach at St. FX. So pretty cool to get caught up and, and see him and him having the opportunity to watch his son Ty play tonight. That's, cool. uh, that's awesome. Sammy, thanks for doing that. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. Oh, there is Sam Cosentino. By the way, we had Barlow on the show yeah. with Greg Walters, and I didn't want to ask the 17-year-old too many questions because yeah. I was worried. Right. 17-year-old He's kid. And I, he was unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah, he polished. handled it. Easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, listen, there's, there's something going on here with this Gary Bettman quote from yesterday, mm-hmm. and we put it online. And, and to pull the curtain back a little bit here, Kenny, every once in a while, um, I can't control our digital properties 24-7. So we have a team that works it out. And every once in a while, I'll call a guy and say, I don't know if I agree with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. And this went. Nobody tanks because we have a weighted lottery. Nobody tanks. Semantics here. Yeah. But if I play you the clip, tell me if you think the clip's a little bit different than what we put up there because that drew some ire. I know Alex wrote into the show and said, nah, the 2014 Buffalo Sabres weren't doing everything in their power to get one of the best generational talents to come along in a while. Honest. Like, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of heat thrown at Batman. I'm going to play you the clip from Mm -hmm. Batman and Mm -hmm. tell me if you think maybe... I'll tell you what he said. we, uh, We radioed him. Nobody tanks because we have a weighted lottery. 
and you're you're not you're not you're not going to lose games to increase your odds by a couple of percentage points. That's silly. And frankly, suggesting tanking, I believe, uh, is inconsistent with the professionalism that our players and our coaches have. Nobody tanks. Our players and our coaches do their best to win. And again, just because you may finish with the worst record in the league, you've got something like a 75% chance that you're not going to get the first pick. Our players and coaches. Right, yeah, players and coaches don't tank. Organizations do. You know, is, is that is that a little bit of semantics there? Yeah, like that's sure lawyer Gary th- this knowing is, exactly what he's saying. This is exactly. This is what I always laugh about uh, when when they show players like you know I don't care if you're on the 1984 Pittsburgh Penguins or the 1984 New Jersey Devils when they're trying to get Mario. Yeah. Guys on the ice aren't trying to lose. They're fighting for jobs. No. So, but nobody tanks. Come on. It's like in Dead Poet Society. Oh, we have an honor system. No one in the class cheats. <laughs> Kids are cheating, Robin Williams. You know, <laughs> oh, Captain, I'm just saying Captain. that I, I think he, on purpose, said at the end, our players and our coaches don't tank. He knows what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Players GMs, and coaches do not tank. Above that, oh, management, yeah. owners. Yeah, well, let's get a look at this guy. Yeah, they yeah. want ratings to go down on this show. You put me on for a week, okay? <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Ratings are going to tank, okay? All right. Ma- well, that's a management decision. I, I, listen, I disagree because we're going to keep you around for one last break and then get you to Hockey Central. So I hope no one flips. No, flicking. Is it clicking or flicking? Oh, we've had that conversation. Oh, you, you should hear what Ivanka calls it. Oh, I know, it's ridiculous. It's, a, it's like what a rich people would call it. <laughs> McAuliffe, Rubinoff, and Reed. We've got a busy night on the network, boys. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey pair of games. Leafs hosting the Rangers on Sportsnet. Islanders visit the Sens on Sportsnet 1. If that's not enough for you, how about later tonight? Oilers will look to extend their winning streak to seven against the Blue Jackets. Rick Tockett and the Canucks visit the Kraken. You can see that on Sportsnet Pacific Regionally, plus the Raptors begin their seven-game road trip in Sacramento against the pretty good Kings. Can't believe I just said that. You can see that one. Sportsnet 1. Ten Eastern. Like the beam. All right, it's game time, and we are just minutes away from sending you to Hockey Central to get you set for two games on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Carolyn Cameron and the panel are standing by in the NHL and Sportsnet Studios. CC, what's going on? Thanks, Jesse. Good to see you. Good to see oh, you. Oh, busy. I felt overwhelmed seeing that schedule of tonight and <laughs> excited, of course. Uh, Jamal Mayer's Justin Bourne, Anthony Stewart with me. So we'll begin at 7 o'clock with the Leafs hosting the New York Rangers and the Leafs going with the same lines they ended their win against the Islanders with. Are they focusing on making William Nylander comfortable, Justin? I mean, that could certainly be part of it. Sheldon Keefe talked a little bit today about you know, the way he mixes and matches his top four, and it doesn't really seem to matter. It's just about finding something that works in playoffs. You know, is Willie and and JT going to be the fit, or is it going to be Mitch and JT? They're always just looking for the right answer. I think it's a good time to give this some run. Yeah, Willie gets four points in a period. You're going to run that look back again. I think the good thing about this is that they've shown they can have different options, and now they're not stuck with Matthews and Marner having to play together. When that doesn't work, especially when you're in the playoffs, they have other play, other guys that can play together and create chemistry. So this makes them much more deep to play against and much harder to play against when it matters in the playoffs. And it's going to be tough for the New York Rangers because who do you zero one on? Zero in on? They have, uh, you know, they have Trub on the back end, Keandre Miller. But now you have to zero on a specific line with both lines really buzzing. It's going to be tough for them to stop them. And in that game, you have Shosturkin up against Samsonov. Are we surprised or not so much that he's going to have his fourth straight start? 
I'm not surprised. And, and again, I'm just happy we're not having the conversation we did two weeks ago. Are we bringing in a new goalie uh, in, in Leafsland here? But with Samsonov right now, he came in relief a couple games ago and actually stood on his head. And this is what you want. You want to have that internal competition between the goaltenders. I think Matt Murray played some great hockey, but right now it's Samsonov's time right now. So he's playing uh, really, really good, giving them a chance to win right now. And that's what was by, by design. So I'm sure Murray, once he gets the crease back, he'll run with it as well. And it's a good competition for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, Sheldon Keith's been talking up Curtis Sanford and looking at the video of Samsonov and saying, you know, here's what we're trying to work on with this guy, and here's what he's doing. And it's not about the saves he makes on all the shots. It's the, the movements he makes and when he comes out of the crease. They're liking the way he moves. So it's a lot of the stuff that some of us who don't play goal don't really see the team likes from Samsonov. It's about winning hockey games at this point. If Sansonoff's playing well, you keep him in the net. But certainly with 12 to 15 games to go, you have to go with one guy. The last thing you want to have happen is guys looking over their shoulder or finding that, you know, if, if they make a mistake defensively or they're not playing the way they want to, you don't want to have a guy thinking that it's okay to have excuses and look for an out. So we've got that at 7 p.m. on Sportsnet. At the same time on Sportsnet 1, we have the Islanders looking to snap a five-game skid against the Senators. I, uh, memory serves. I don't remember the exact stats. I think you tweeted out you had like 11 goals and 15 assists in the alumni game in Owen Sand last Friday. What was it like yeah, playing that against was, Ken that Reed? That was straight cap. But, yeah. uh, but the one thing that was not cap was Ken Reed with his wheelie bag. And I'm not sure if we have a picture of that. Uh, and it said grit. That's the opposite yeah. of grit. So, oh, we have a picture. No, like Ken we got a picture. We need to get you a real bag there, please, and thank you very much. Stewie, absolutely, buddy. I knew going in, but still no excuse. What was first comment? What do you mean you knew going I, well, in? I'm showing up with a wheelie sure. bag. You went to an alumni game with a wheelie bag. We moved him out of Owen Sound. He's not welcome back. Uh, I knew, look, so I packed the bag. My son got a new bag this year, so his wheelie bag was there. So I had to pack a bunch of stuff. I'm like, well, like. I guess I'll use the wheelie bag. I think that's your pride's in there, too. I can My see it. My pride is in there. That's an extra coach for the pride. It's empty. <laughs> Hold on a second. What's that first comment there, Jesse? I... My father always said, if you can't carry your gear into the arena, you shouldn't be playing. Fields <laughs> <laughs> are also cropped out of that. Yeah. The other good one... Uh... It, the other good one was uh, if you have wheels off the ice, you have no wheels on the ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, a guy can. I you swear. should do what uh, Jeff Cordell did to me when I was a rookie and put like 20-pound weights in your bag, and you wonder why four days later on a road trip. So <laughs> at least you'd have a reason why to roll that thing around. Roll that thing. Kenny would have no problem. The best be part was leaving the arena. After c consuming a few and uh, being Darcy Tucker heckling me across the parking lot and just people leaving the game going, you got a wheelie bag? Titting <laughs> <laughs> potholes. Uh, we, we, we I deserve it you, all. We've been told you guys got to go. Thanks for doing this always. Have a great show. See you in two minutes. All right. There's <laughs> Carolyn Cameron and crew. Uh, they got you covered on Scotia. Uh, yeah, I deserve it all. That was humiliating. I uh, knew but going the rest in. But the rest of Hockey Day in Canada, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, looked like an absolute blast. Hey, I brought the wheelie bag to give the boys something to talk about. No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. I brought it because I'm a loser. But you, you had fun. Ivanka, oh, I saw her upstairs. Like, and going yeah. to kind of, I know people think it's a bigger town than it is. but Thank you, Owen Sound. Yeah, Owen Sound. It's beautiful. It was wicked. We had fun at the banquet. Didn't make it to all the establishments in Owen Sound. People up there know what I'm <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah. What, what? What? Some of them. Put it this way. I, Which I, one did you miss? Put it this. I might have smuggled some stuff out in that bag. If you're from Owen Sound, you know what that means. Right, That's that why I brought it. the wheelie bag. That does it for us. Mm -hmm. Smuggled. Oh. That does it for us.
Hockey Central is up next. That crew that you just saw. Enjoy the games, everybody. We thank you, Kenny Reed. Wheel on over to the other studio. <laughs> thank you, Jesse Rubinoff. Thank Bye. you, Timmy. And thank you, Canada. We hope that you will join us again tomorrow, tonight. Enjoy the hockey and Raptors and Kings to top it off. There we go.